Let's bow in a word of prayer together. We bow before you, God. We thank you for this day. God, I pray you'd be with all those that are hurting. God, that you would, especially today, be with Maryville Baptist. Is um, Today's going to be a lot of tears. God, we pray you'd shoulder them up, that they would know your love and care, that the families and friends, that they'd know you're in the midst. God, we thank you that you promised to be with us through all things. Pray you'd open our hearts, our minds today, that we'd hear whatever it is you'd have us hear. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. We're in this series uh, eight, we're calling it. And uh, we've been looking at the opening lines of Jesus' most famous sermon. It's the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, basically, it is eight very positive statements about happiness. Uh, They're called the Beatitudes. Uh, There are eight attitudes for for living life. And I said last week that the word blessed also means happy. And of all the, the subjects that Jesus could have talked about, he chose to start his message with the subject of happiness. And I think, why? Well, I think that Jesus knew it was something that we all search for. But it's something few find in in their life. And and so Jesus' statements, these eight Beatitudes, these kind of guides for for living life, they really challenge the prevailing thought of his day and our day as well. And those statements, they kind of take on the the destructive uh, tendencies that we have in our life. And Jesus was saying, you know what? Happiness does not depend on the externals of life. It really depends on the internal, the internal attitudes that that we have. That happiness is not about having the right circumstances in your life, but it depends on having the right attitudes in your life. In other words, my happiness is not determined by what's happening around me, but rather what's happening inside me. And we talked last week and said happiness is a choice. You get to choose if you're going to have the right attitude. You know, whether, whether you're happy in life or sad or somewhere in between there, that you are as happy as you choose to be. And so last week we looked at the first blessed statement that Jesus made. And he says, happy are those who know their need for God, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And we talked about the fact that we need to activate the right attitude in our life and that the way we do that is by putting on humility and that we have to kind of accept the reality of my real life versus my ideal life, you know, the way I wish things were. And that part of humility means that I don't have to be perfect, You know, I don't have to solve all the problems in the world. I do not have to have all the answers in order to be happy. In fact, when we activate humility, it pays in some high dividends. And uh, we talked about that it alleviates our, our stress. That when we finally give up trying to control everything in our life, what happens is it dials down our stress. Our stress decreases in life. We talked about that it permeates our relationships. The fact is, if you learn humility, you find that your relational life improves. 
And then we talked about that when we activate this humility in our life, we should anticipate God's power in our life. And uh, in other words, when I humble myself or when you humble yourself, God gets involved in your situation and circumstances. James says this, God gives strength to the humble but opposes the proud. In other words, humility in our life kind of releases God's power in our life. And if you weren't here, I'd encourage you to download the message. There's info in the the worship guide about how to do that. Today what I want to look at is how to navigate through the heartbreaks of life. Now, how many of you can remember your first heartbreak? Come on, let me see hands. I remember mine. I was four, and her name was Stella. Seriously. I mean, this is how it went. I kissed her. She kicked me. And I I went home, and I remember I was so brokenhearted. And I know you're going, oh, puppy love, you know. But it was real for this puppy. I mean, (laughs) I later later found out in life that uh, puppy love leads to a dog's life. But that's a whole other thing. So, uh, Ooh, I got, I got hissed. Four minutes into the message. All right. I'll be honest, at the time when that happened, my heart was broke. But as I got a little bit older, I realized that it was a very tiny thing. And as I grew up and became an adult, I realized life's tough. Life is tough. Heartbreaks happen. You know, they can leave you hurting. They can threaten to suffocate you. They can crush you at times. And they happen all the time in life. You know, as I was watching the news this week, um, you know, all the shootings. I don't know how many of you watched the news, but it was like a little overwhelming. And, And as I'm watching the news, I was thinking about the shock and the tragedy. And then my mind immediately went to the broken hearts of family and friends, of Pastor Winters, Maryville Baptist. You know, they talked about the the ten people that were gunned down in Alabama. And I thought, oh, the family's here. Fifteen kids killed or fifteen people killed in Germany. And I'll be honest, that was was the first three stories. And it was like, whoa, it's almost hard to comprehend I was listening to people later in the news that had lost their life savings, schools that lost their trusts, completely wiped out thanks to the corruption of Bernie Madoff. And I thought, broken hearts. Listen to them talk about unemployment, that 650,000 Americans went to the unemployment line. They, They showed up at work and got a pink slip, more broken hearts, just this month. And then they had the storms and the floods throughout the Midwest that completely destroyed the homes and businesses of people. Their lives were changed forever. Just a few minutes on the nightly news, and I'm watching in high def people that are struggling, families that are hurting, couples that are are facing loss, Broken hearts, broken hearts, broken hearts. They're all around us. You may be sitting next to one today. It's interesting. When you read through the Bible, the Bible never really tries to explain suffering. 
but it does speak to how we handle suffering. You know, Jesus, the second attitude that he shares, he says, let's read together. Happy are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. It seems wrong. doesn't seem right. I mean, how can I be happy after a loss? How can I be happy with a broken heart? I mean, how can I navigate when I hurt, when, when I'm suffering, when my heart is breaking? You know, Jesus says, well, the first thing you've got to do is affiliate with God. To realize that God is with us. You know, when you're, when you're hurting, the tendency is to forget God. To think, where is God? In my life. And we think uh, that God's kind of distant. Like he doesn't really care about what's happening. You know the psalmist says the Lord is close to the brokenhearted And saves those who are crushed in spirit. When you're in pain. When your heart's breaking. Friends I want to suggest that you immediately affiliate with God. You connect with God. And what you find is that God's there with you. That God's aware of the situation. That God is watching over you in a very special way. That nothing goes unnoticed in your life. That God sees it all. You know, David, uh, it was a time in his life uh, that he's being held captive. And he's being beaten by his enemies. I mean, just beaten down. And it's a very, very dark time in in his life. And he, he writes these words. He says, he's talking to God. He says, You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. David, in a dark time in his life, recognizes that God's with him, that God's keeping count, that God's not a a casual observer of his life, but he knows every single detail. And it's interesting, if you read that entire chapter, David throughout keeps reminding himself, he says, every morning I remind myself that God is with me, that God is in the midst. And David, David kind of expresses himself through that chapter. He talks about the dire situation that he's in, the, the fear that he has, the injustice that's happened, the mistreatment. And he shares those things one by one, and then he points to the fact that God's in the middle of it. That God understands what's happening. And David recognizes that God's with him in that. You know, I hear people all the time, they'll they'll say things like, nobody knows what I'm going through. Nobody knows the hell I'm in at home. You know, nobody knows the loss I'm feeling. No one understands that what I'm enduring, nobody knows. And you know what? You may be right. Your family may not know. Your spouse may not know. Your friends may not know. But hear this. God knows. God knows. God knows what you're going through. Every detail. God is keeping track. He's recording it in vivid detail. In fact, the Bible says that when you're in a lot of pain, in fact, so much pain that you're kind of dazed and confused, You ever been in so much pain that you can't even put it into words? So you can't even pray about it because you can't verbalize what's happening inside? 
Well, the Bible says when we're in that position that God prays for you. God talks to himself about your pain. Romans, Paul, Paul writes this. He says, if we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us. Talk about the Holy Spirit here. Making prayer out of our wor- world, yeah, worldless, oh, we'll try that again, worldless sights. <laughs> I can't even talk. I'm struggling for words. (laughs) So he says, our aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves. This is how much you matter and what's going on in your life. When you don't know what to pray, you don't even have the power to pray. You're so dazed in life. God, through the Holy Spirit, prays for you. You know, Nahum uh, 1.7 says, The Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in Him. Friends, when we affiliate with God, when we connect with God, when we hit that point, we should realize that not only is God aware of what's happening in my life, but God cares. And not only does God care, but God wants to help us in our lives. The writer of Hebrews says, So whatever we are in need... We should come bravely before the throne of our merciful God. There we will be treated with undeserved kindness. What's it say? We'll find help. We will find help. You know, when we affiliate with God, when we connect with God, not only does God realize what's happening, not only is he aware and cares, but he wants to help. And I know there are some people in life, and two things happen. Some people, when they face the, the toughness of life, they go through the pain, and they grow through that pain. But other people get stuck. They just get stuck in their pain. Why is that? Well, I want to suggest it's because they fail to affiliate with God. They fail to connect with God. In fact, Job writes, he says, those who forget God have no hope. If there's no God, there's a lot of reasons to be discouraged, to feel helpless, hopeless in life. Alexander uh, Solzhenitz, um, the uh, Nobel Peace Prize winner, he wrote an article for the National Review. And in the article, if you read it, he, he... basically summarizes all the problems of the 20th century. He says all the bad things that have happened in the last hundred years could be summed up in one phrase, and it was the title of the article, Men Have Forgotten God. Friends, when we forget God, we tend to act like animals. We we tend to be very selfish, and get this, we lose hope. We lose hope. You know, someone has said that a definition of an atheist is someone who is living as if there is no God. And when I hear that definition, I think, well, I know a lot of Christians that live that way. They, they live as though they are atheists. You know, even though they believe in God, we act as though and live life as though God doesn't exist. 
you know, I, I got to deal with my problems. And we don't think of God. We don't think of God first or second or third or tenth. You know, we just don't think about God. I've got to figure this all out myself. It's me and me alone. And friends, I know lots of Christians that do this. It's kind of uh, practical atheism. Friends, don't forget. Don't forget God. Don't forget to affiliate with God. Realize that God is aware of what's going on. Realize that God cares. And most of all, that God wants to help you in the midst of it. Here's the second thing we need to do, and that is terminate the hurt. Terminate the hurt. How many of you remember the movie Terminator? I'll be back. Arnold Schwarzenegger. The, 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 young, the young people here are going, I thought he's a governor. Well, he was an actor before he was a governor. Or maybe he's an actor and a governor. But um, anyway. Oh, I almost got that by, huh? Basically, he is, he is the Terminator. He's cyborg, uh, assassin. And he has no feelings, no emotions. He can't feel pain. And he has this mentality, and I would suggest to you it's a Hollywood mentality, it's sci-fi mentality, that you can live life that way. In real life, there is pain. There is hurt. It can mess you up. It can take you out. It gets your attention. And friends, we've got to terminate the hurt and pain. How How do we do that? You know, one of the major steps toward it is we have to quit focusing on the past and start focusing on what we have left. You know, what we've lost, what we've got. Isaiah writes and says, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. God's speaking there. Giving advice. You know, God says, Your past is your past. You've got to let some things go. You've got to terminate this stuff. You know, don't let your hurt keep hurting you over and over and over and over. It's a choice. You know, sometimes we, we get hurt by other people. And uh, when, when we get our heart broke, we have a choice to make in, in our life. It's kind of like multiple choice. And I've talked about this before because you can kind of respond to the hurts of life by couple ways. One, you could kind of repress it, you know, push it down, swallow it. Guys are pretty good at this one. You know, pretend it doesn't exist, that it doesn't hurt. But the reality is that's really unhealthy, and your, and your body will keep score on that one. But I meet people all the time. They're, I call them the walking wounded. They're, they're, they're hurt. They're full of a lot of bitterness and anger and brokenness because they were never able to let go of the hurt, they, they just repress it, pretend it's not there. Other people, they rehearse it. They rehearse it. They go over and over and over in their mind. They, they fixate on whatever it is that's happened. And I want to say, don't let that consume your thoughts. You will lose. You know, when you let your past consume your thoughts, here's what happens. It destroys the present, and it'll steal your future, and it'll leave you hurt. Some people say, well, you know, they, the other option, you resent it, you fight it. And this doesn't help either. And it's interesting because we, we do this so easily, especially when someone else has hurt us. 
you know, or we're suffering something that's very unjust or we perceive as unjust. We get bitter, we get angry, we get cynical. You know, Job says you're only hurting yourself with your anger. And we, we talked quite a bit about this a few series ago about, you know, that bitterness in life, no matter what has happened to you that you see as unjust or, or wrong, the, the fact is that bitterness will do more damage than anything that's ever been done. You know, I've, I have heard it all through the years. Dark stuff, awful stuff uh, that, that's happened to people. And, you know, I'll, I'll listen to them. But he, here's what I've figured out is that resentment is a dead-end road. It will poison you and destroy you. And what it does, it perpetuates the hurt. It takes that event, whatever it was, and keeps it going, and it prolongs the pain. That's what a lot of people do is those things, but I want to suggest to you, you terminate. I mean, how do you terminate hurt? Well, you terminate by giving it to God. You don't terminate it by going after someone. You don't terminate it by hurting somebody that's hurt you, getting even. You terminate by giving that situation over to God. You know, God knows what's going on in your life. God knows what you're going through in life. Romans says, my friends, Paul says, do not try to punish others when they've wronged you, but wait for God to punish them with his anger. It is written, I will punish those who do wrong, and I will repay them, says the Lord. When someone hurts you, Get this, we want to be the terminator at that point. We want to teach them a lesson. We want to take matters into our own hands. And what I want to say to you, if that's what you're struggling with today, let God fight the battle. Now, I know many things in life happen, and nobody had anything to do with it. You know, there are people here today that are mourning and grieving and hurting because of whatever in their life. And I want to say, just take the step, affiliate with God, realize that God is with you, and terminate, the way you terminate the hurt is to give it to God. God, here's what's going on. Talk, talk to God about it. Pour your heart out to God. Let God know what you're feeling. Don't be afraid to express yourself. Seriously, even if it's a little off, a little tilt to it. Get this, God can handle it. God can handle it however you voice it. You know, there have been times, uh, not proud of it, but I've walked in my office and things are just, and I'll pitch a book across the room. I know it's hard to believe, but uh, God can handle it. God can handle it. You know, the psalmist writes, it says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. One other thing we've got to do after we terminate the hurt, that is operate with God's resources. Blessed are those that mourn, for they will be comforted. So there's a promise there. I mean, how do I face the trials? How do I face the struggles, the the tragedies with God's comfort? With God's comfort. How do I receive that comfort? Well, it's amazing to me we want comfort. When we're hurting. 
But people try all kinds of things. I mean, some, some people go the pharmaceutical route, you know, basically numb themselves to life and what's happening. Some hit the party scene, you know, they drink themselves into oblivion. You know, some people have affairs, some become TV zombies, some just sleep all the time, and, you know, that way they don't have to deal with life. And those are all attempts to, to get rid of the pain. But they're quick fixes. Oh, they might work for a little bit, but they don't last. I mean, God says, if you operate with me, operate with my resources, then you can deal with this stuff. And God's, one of the things God gives us to operate with is God's word. You know, fill your mind with scripture. That's one of the resources you have to, to comfort you. It says, I'm completely discouraged. Revive me by your word. Later in the chapter, if you read that whole chapter, it says, your words have comforted me. The psalmist is talking to God. Your words. Read through the Bible. Read through the Psalms in those dark days. There is verse after verse after verse after verse about comfort. In fact, I would argue that the book of Psalms is a book of comfort. You know, that it is just full of, hey, let me help you through this. You know, there are over 7,000 promises in the Bible. And I would encourage you, if you've got a Bible, write in it. Highlight. Make, make notes. Say, you know what, this is good for times of discouragement. This is good for those times when I'm afraid. And so when those days come, you can claim them. For yourself, you can find them in the in the midst of things. Here's what I know: a crowd this size, there's a lot of hidden hurt out here. I mean, behind our beautiful faces, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of pain, and I know there are people here that you showed up as you were driving to church today. You're like, I hope God has a word for me. I wonder if God's got a word for me. And here's the answer. Yes, absolutely. You know, the word is God is concerned about your pain. God sees it. God understands it. God feels it. God wants to comfort you in it. That whatever it is that's going on, that frustration, that hurt, that pain, that loss, operate, friends, with God's word. It'll remind you of that. And you also should operate with God's people. We need each other. Say that with me. We need each other. All right, let's try it again like we really mean it. We need each other. You will not make it in isolation. There are no lone rangers. We need each other. Faith fellowship is to be a family. For some of you, that's great news because you go, I don't have a family, or I don't have family around here. I don't like my family, you know, whatever. This is your family. I, I say this often until I'm not pastoring anymore, and they've put me in the ground. I will say it over and over. Get in a small group. Get in a small group. Get in one. Serve on a team. Serve on a home team. Get on a sports team. I don't care 
what the team is, but get on a team so that you can connect. Because what happens in those small groups is that group becomes encouragement. That becomes a place of comfort when you hit the tough times in life. Notice I didn't say if you hit. When you hit, you will hit tough times. It is a matter of time. It's just a matter of time. Operate. Operate with God's people. Corinthians says, The God of all comfort comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. If you're hurting today, you're not alone. And I know that you may think your problem is unique. But here's what I got to say. No matter what your problem is, hundreds, thousands, maybe millions of people throughout history have had the same problem that you have right now. And there's a good chance that whatever that problem is or that situation If we could go around this room, someone would go, I'm in that boat too. Whatever it is you're going through. And see, the value of a small group is it's a place where you begin to open up. You begin to have a face-to-face. And and you'd be surprised. You'd be talking about something, you know, like, uh, oh, we're having such a tough time with our teenager. And someone would go, oh, we are too. Want to trade? You know, or there, someone will go, oh, we've been there. I don't, I don't miss that. Get connected. Now, I know as I'm talking, some of you are going, well, I'm not in pain right now. Let me ask you something. How many of you can remember going through pain? Let me see hands. You know, whether it's a year ago, five years ago, whatever. If you are a Christian, hear this, you are obligated to help other people through the same hurt that you've gone through. Obligation. You know, God saw you through your problem. God comforted you. So that you could turn around and comfort others with the same comfort that you received. You do not need all the answers. In fact, I would argue people in pain do not need advice most of the time. They just need someone to say, you know what, I understand. I understand what you're going through. I know what it's like to go through divorce. I know what it's like to go bankrupt. I know what it's like to lose a child. I know what it's like to be raised in an abusive home, to lose a job, to battle addiction, to watch a dream die. Friends, there are people in this room right now and they need you. They need you. They need your comfort. They need your help. We need each other. Operate, operate, with God's people, and operate with God's Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The great comforter. You know, God wants to be your friend. God wants to walk with you every single day, every moment. You know, 2,000 years ago, Jesus, he was physically walking this planet. And he was talking to his disciples and kind of, I think, reassuring them because he was getting ready to die on the cross. And Jesus is saying, you know, 
This is what's down the road, and I'm getting ready to go back to heaven. And it'll be okay. In fact, John 14 records, he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Again, he's talking about the Holy Spirit there, the helper. If you read the whole text, he goes on and says, you know, the Holy Spirit will be with you and in you. He's talking about a relationship every moment of every day. You know, when you, when you became a Christian, if you've taken that step, the Holy Spirit takes up residency in you. Not to make you an oddball, not to make you weird or strange, but to comfort you, to help you, to help you be the person God created you to be, to help you make it through the tough times in life. Now, I remember when I first gave my life to Jesus Christ. When I come up out of the water, I didn't feel a whole lot different. I knew that God loved me, but I, but I didn't really feel different. You know, and they said, oh, the Holy Spirit's going to be in you. But here's what I figured out. I began to notice the results in my life. I began to realize that when I hit those tough times, those struggling times, or I'd get a little off base, that God would use that spirit to guide me, to strengthen me, to give me wisdom. And it kept me going and it kept me navigating through whatever it was I was facing. You have that same power. Operate with God's Holy Spirit. Allow God to work in your life. Paul writes, he says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confidence, confident hope, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, when I look at a crowd, I know there's pain, lots of pain. There's financial pain, relational pain, physical pain, emotional pain, vocational pain, marriage pain, parenting pain, the the loss of a loved one, the, the pain in that. And when you're in pain, Something you need more than anything. Some of you need it today. It's a thing called hope. And you can overflow with confident hope because of the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, I I challenge you, operate. If you're in pain today, you're struggling, connect with God's Word. Connect with God's people and connect with the Holy Spirit. You know, those things will help you navigate through. Notice I said through. You will get through. You know, the Bible, Revelations uh, 21, says that someday believers will experience a thing called heaven. No more pain, no more sorrow, no more suffering. I am so looking forward to that day. You need God in your life. You need God in your life. Not because you might die today. I mean... It's a good reason, but it's not the best reason. In fact, even as I say that, you're going, well, I don't think I'm going to die today. And and you probably won't. But you need God in your life, not because you're going to die, but because you're going to live tomorrow. And between 
today and whenever it is that you take your last breath, you're going to face pain and problems and tragedy and struggles. You're going to be afraid and find it difficult at times. And if you don't believe that's going to happen in life, you are in for a rude awakening at some point. See, the question is, what are you going to do when that day comes and things come undone? God wants to help you. God wants to help you through that time if you'll let him. He'll help you navigate it. Let's read together. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. That's a promise from God. Some of you need to claim that promise today. Let's bow in a word of prayer together. Our holy God, I know there are those that are hurting, that are reeling, that not even sure which way's up right now. God, I pray that your spirit, that they would know your presence. God, I pray that you would continue to work on us as a church to be able to see people that are hurting, to reach out. God, that you continue to work through each and every one of us. We need each other. God, I thank you for the promises in your word that you will see us through whatever it is. And we're not alone. God, I pray that um, when those tough times hit, that we just lean on you. God, I thank you for the promise that you will see us through. We give you the praise. We give you the glory. Even in the midst of struggles. And all God's people said,